love this song. Welcome to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Kelly Wagner from the Being Curious Show. And we're in studio with our guest of the show, Kim Witzik, who is a leading global drug safety advocate. She also does amazing portfolio work for advertising and marketing. And she's an all-around amazing, beautiful human being who is a thought leader around how we can get ourselves free, sovereign, stay curious and compassionate and heart-centered. And I just thank you for all the work you have done in the world to date. Um, and one of the things that I think uh, is this evolving conversation we're having here is around courageous conversations. And you bring that forward so beautifully. So talk to us a little bit about why we have to stay curious to stay in a courageous conversation. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me back. I love having these conversations with you because I love the idea of sovereignty, but also being curious because I think ultimately it is about being curious and having conversations. And so for me from the beginning, and I'm not really sure when I say from the beginning, it really goes back to You know, when my husband uh, was given an antidepressant and five weeks later took his own life. And so that was really, that's coming up on 20 years. But that was really the direction that that idea of having um, courageous conversations started. It was also being curious because, you know, he had no history of depression and all of a sudden took his life five weeks later. And he had had sleep issues for those listeners that may be joining in episode three of having you on the show. Yes. He was given an antidepressant for insomnia and five weeks later took his own life. So really that became the point where I understood the importance of having, being curious, asking the questions, but also having the hard conversations. Yeah. And it's all about having the hard conversations and also being willing to sit with somebody or an answer or something that's uncomfortable that makes you uncomfortable because that's actually where growth is happening instead mm-hmm. of um, automatically ready to respond with something to say you're wrong because I think we've created, especially the last couple of years, we've come into this world of like we know, meaning you know each of us individually, like you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, well, I'm and, right. And that divisiveness actually keeps us from growing into more courage, right? Exactly. Because if I just sit and like, I'm right, you're wrong, and Kelly's definitely wrong, then I'm just teasing. Then um, we can't actually be in connection and evolve our ideas. Right. Now that we're interviewing people on a regular basis, and you'll, I know you get this, but you can actually, when you're talking with someone, you know the moment you lose them and they're taking their breath in and they're trying to prove you wrong before you even like have finished what you're saying. Mm, right. And that's one thing that I know that I'm really working on is that eye contact and being really, really present and then letting you finish, even though I'm taking the breath in and then having that moment of how do I honor this person and then, and then responding. Exactly. Rather than, ah, like, right? Yeah. Well, and I feel like that is actually because you can see things in body language and mm-hmm. uh, in eyes. Or even like when you, you know, I think back to some conversations at work or uncomfortable when maybe something went wrong and you can, you know, the boss is trying to say something and you're automatically in your head thinking all the, all of the things that to try to make it up for, you know, the answer so it's good for you because you're uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. it really comes back to you as the person being uncomfortable of maybe hearing something that you're not familiar with or challenges your own beliefs. Right. And not going into cognitive dissonance or denial that shuts down the opportunity to learn. And I think even these last couple of years where courageous conversations were seen as a threat um, and suppressed or, or shut down, it's like people might be in the fight or flight response of the lower brain. And how do we stay in connection when we're in that place? And part of it, I know, is moving with curiosity because it actually helps unhinge that fear um, in people and go for it. I'm trying something. Yeah. What does curiosity mean to you, Kim? Curiosity means to me being open being listen or being willing to have a conversation 
It is asking questions. It is listening to answers. It is seeking sources outside of even the normal traditional way you might find answers. So like, let's say you're somebody that like, well, I heard it on the news. No, maybe I'm open to having conversations or listening and finding information and going wider. And I always say going down the rabbit hole a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I like to do that. And I think that's really important. And it's also about being curious is also why do you think something that's different than me? And I think that is part of it too, is seeking out people that may not necessarily agree with you as well. And why is my mind more or less important than your point of view as well? Because it's not, but it's not even that. It's just a different point of view. It's some people like red apples. Some people like green apples. It's not. People don't like apples. Right. I was going to say, because it's not actually my, my opinion's better and more important than yours. Like you, and why are you just because let's say, let's use the current, like a medical model. You're a doctor and I'm just, you know, a patient or I've seen it with my advocacy work where or I'm a consumer. a consumer, you know, that all of a sudden you're, because you're the doctor, your opinion's higher than my opinion. No, mm-hmm. it's, it, you might've had a little bit more education, but it's my body. It's my kid. It's my life experience that right. I come to the table. And well, that's and I- what you do as a, you know, all of us do. We all have our own life experiences and not one's better than the other. And, and imagine how much better we are when we collectively come together. Totally. And I think one of the things that you opened my eye to in the you know, last time you were on the show is this idea of being not a patient but a consumer. Because think about the word patient. It's telling you to be more rec- – like uh, it's telling you to be more uh, passive, Right even though I think patience has an active role in it. But consumer means like you're choosing what to purchase, what to buy from thoughts of the practitioner you're working with or the doctor to any kind of medicine or intervention, whether it's herbal or pharmaceutical or another way. Um, And so I think that shift is important for us to be curious around, like, are we patients? Are we consumers? Are we people? Are we yeah, clients? Well, what are we? Okay. So when I had my, my daughter and my son, I had terrible insurance and we were out to dinner the night or a couple nights before I went in and I taught this lady that had this fresh baby and, and we were out to dinner and, and the lady's like, here's, you should really, really look at it. Look at it like a mini bar. Like when you're at the hospital, look at it like the, the mini bar in a hotel and then it's everything's line itemed and ask to see your receipt before you leave. Totally. Of everything. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what? I, I was just so shocked. And then I curiously was just like, can I have my bill? And they're like, um, sure. They charged me for over $800 of things that I never had done. Wow. I was what? getting charged like $19 for this and $15 for a Band-Aid. And anybody in healthcare, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. This has been 12 years. But it was really, really interesting when I was like, we didn't have that done. We didn't have that done. We didn't. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. So well, I actually had to run down to the little bursar office and, and you're check ab- my bill. And you're absolutely right. Well, in every single, like even hospital is different. So that is one thing that I've learned. Like hospitals charge differently from the same hospital, like in two, you know, different parts of the city could have different pricing. So it is important. So I like that idea of patient, consumer, and it also it puts an empowerment into, you know, the per- it's not this power structure. of It's like, not like be patient yeah. and just wait and, and do what I tell you. Exactly, exactly. But also like, you know, just that simple curiosity of like, can I see your bill? But, you know, most people don't even do that because they're like, oh, I have insurance. But, you know, it's interesting. As soon as I were, was on my own insurance because I'm um, independent, I started to actually, you know, before it was like, oh, insurance will just cover it. But somebody is still paying for it. So when you actually look and you start yeah. asking those questions, you're like, are you kidding me? And it's funny. My dad, like I learned this from my dad growing up, just he questions everything, like almost to the point of annoyance, right? But he was at the hospital and, and, you know, he knows because he will go through his bill and he won't pay for things. They're like, well, we're going to charge you. You have to use our pills, 
you know, like he's on medication. He's like, I'm not paying for those because I already have them at home. And they're, and so he was like, nope, I'm not taking them. And so I'm thinking, Dad, just take, you know. And he goes, nope, I'm not going to. So finally they led him because he was pushing the buttons to the point of, all right, just bring in your medications and we'll – and so that's what he did. He brought his own in versus taking the ones at the hospital. Well, but only because he questioned and pushed and took the consumer or – uh, you know, not the patient mentality, which is kind of like what that woman was more you. of a self advocate. Yes, and and I think you know two two stories that also highlight what both of you are sharing is like with my first son in two thousand five. I had a birth that had many interventions, including like um, an epidural and him being vacuumed out, um, and that bill cost twenty six thousand in two thousand and five. In 2007, when I got pregnant uh, in 2006 with my second son, I was so petrified of having another birth that way because I didn't recover well. It was hard on my body. It was hard on my son. And um, I did a bunch of education. I read Ina Mae Gaskin, who's a midwife, became a doula myself, and I just went down the rabbit hole, right? Like, And was committed to having a birth without intervention. And I know that that doesn't always work for people, but... That bill in 2007, granted, I was in a different state. The first child was born in California, second child born in Minnesota, was less than 5000 But I had to actively, throughout the birth, say, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you, because the doctor was bored, not doing interventions, and I was committed to not receiving that because I knew my body needed something different, and I knew... Um, that I could go through it with a different approach. And so I find it interesting just like how much that mini bar experience exponentially grows so fast and the cost, you know, that that can happen. And the other quick story that I, you know, like highlighting what your dad, your dad's experience is I had a client that was scheduled for shoulder surgery came and did some somatics for five weeks in preparation for the surgery, ended up regaining mobility and losing the pain, so not needing the surgery and canceling it, who still got a bill for the surgery she never had and had to, like, call and say, like, I didn't have this surgery. And they're like, what do you mean you didn't have that surgery? So it's interesting to me, like, this paradigm and how we have to navigate it with curiosity and courageous conversation and Kim you're coming up on 20 years of your husband's taking his life and his transition on August 6th of 2023. So you've stayed in this curious conversation for a long time. I have stayed in this conversation for a long time because, you know, what originally when I thought it was just antidepressants, you know, I realized it is not. It is way bigger. And so it became like then it became more cu- curious about this. And then it was like then it was like the ugly um, unwrapping of, you know, the golf ball where you just want to yeah. kind of see what's underneath it or an onion. It just gets stinkier and stinkier. And then you realize, oh, you have to stay curious. And so every aspect, it's, you know, it's not about. I always say it's not about being anti-drug. It's not about being anti-anything. It's about being pro-information, uh, pro-curious, and asking the questions and really staying curious because these are things that are going in our bodies or happening to our loved ones that it is really important. And so I've been doing it for almost 20 years, which is it'll be 20 years next week, which is absolutely astonishing. So. My son's getting his driver's license. Holy cow, everybody just get off the roads, right? (laughs) But you can't just read the book. You can't just watch a movie. You have to drive. You have to have a near miss. You have to hit a curb. You have to drive at night. You have to do all these things and you have you have to you have to do this to be able you don't just get the book and go, Okay, now go take your test and you're gonna be an amazing driver. And a lot of people are doing those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is about it's about experience, right? And not all experiences are gonna be positive or easy, like just read a book. It might be that you bump up against walls and you bump up against things to actually discover 
what is out there and what you should know and be informed about. Well, and I think that really leads us into what we can unpack in the, the next segment here of like you, the last few years we've had an experience of a lot of new novel things that people have taken with maybe very little research behind it. And people might argue little research, but, uh, and so you've been on some of the front lines of supporting people who've had adverse reactions to some of the shots and building something different around the World Council for Health. And so maybe we can bring some of our courage and our curiosity to unpack that a little. Amazing. Look forward to it. Yeah. So we will continue this conversation. No, we won't. We're going to be done. It's over. There's no need to talk about it anymore. Is that it? Yep, we're done. We're done. <laughs> There's been a lot of that these last few years. There is no conversation. There is no conversation. Absolutely. There was something bad and something bad I left behind. I'm Elizabeth Sullivan, owner of Soma Soul Sovereignty. I teach people to transform and heal their bodies, minds, and spirits and manifest higher consciousness. My hope with Soma Soul Sovereignty is that you open up to the power to heal yourself. We believe the power to heal is within each of us. It supports us coming home to ourselves and our authenticity. The alchemy of Soma Yoga, Ayurveda, energy medicine, and multidimensional healing is a synergistic approach that supports the self-healing state within and around us. It is filled with common sense and a deep understanding of the beauty for life and consciousness. It reminds us that our true divine nature is light aligned with love, and when we orientate toward it, much releases, heals, and transforms. Experience the power and freedom within and ways to support your body, mind, and spirit being unified. Soma Soul Sovereignty, awaken to your light within. For more information, visit elizabethsullivan.love or somasoulsovereignty.com. That's somasoulsovereignty.com. At the School for Higher Consciousness, we are committed to raising the level of consciousness on the planet by educating and empowering people to grow, evolve, and live well. The School for Higher Consciousness is dedicated to supporting people through this critical time on the planet. Our classes provide a path that deeply connects you to your inner power and higher levels of consciousness. At the School for Higher Consciousness, we inspire, teach, and empower people to develop the skills and practices needed to energetically heal, grow, and connect more fully to their life purpose. The School for Higher Consciousness is building a global community grounded in the power of collaboration, the spirit of unity, consciousness, and the joy of human connection to help usher in a new model for a new era. Our programs include the Energetic Healing Program, Conscious Leadership Transforms, The Physical Alchemist, and much more. They are rooted in wisdom and designed to support your continued growth and transformation. This is Elizabeth from Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, and I hope you register and learn more at schoolforhigherconsciousness.com. That's schoolforhigherconsciousness.com. Does your child struggle with sensory issues? Do they fight getting dressed in the morning, or are they anxious to go to school? Are they easily overwhelmed and overstimulated by lights and sounds? At Whole Family Chiropractic, we love helping parents understand why their child is struggling, and more importantly, how to help. We use safe, gentle, and effective neurologically-based chiropractic to help your child's brain feel calm, safe, and organized. For more info, visit sensoryhelpmn.com. That's sensoryhelpmn.com. With Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Kelly Wagner from The Being Curious Show. And we are in studio with Kim Witzik, who is a global leading drug safety advocate. Also has years of doing professional portfolio work for marketing and advertising. And became the accidental advocate after her husband Woody took his life by taking some antidepressants that were prescribed for insomnia. And learning that the side effect of that was suicidal ideation and many people um, taking their lives and that side effect not being spoken to. And we're finding ourselves in some tender territory with this next segment of the show as we get curious and have some courageous conversation around what has evolved in the last few years. And so we just asked the 
we can hold this conversation with a little bit of curiosity and courage and stay open uh, instead of shutting down. Uh, so, Kim, I know you have done some work of taking those who had adverse reactions to COVID shots to Washington, D.C. Can you bring us a little bit into what that was and how that looked for um, what you have had to navigate in the last couple of years with some of your advocacy? Sure. So, well, first of all, you know, and I look back to what happened with Woody, that there was always that small percentage of people who are impacted or harmed or killed by medications, right? So I've always been in this space, and what Woody Matters does is advocate for those families who live every day with the consequences of a failed drug safety system. So I've always been advocating for the harms, the people who've been injured, the people who've been killed, because that's the side of the the system that we're not told about. You know, the whole system is really set up to sell benefits, 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 and, you know, and so, but we don't talk about the harms. We don't, it's not, you know, it's why would it? It's uncomfortable. Exactly. It's uncomfortable to talk about it, but it's also not good business. And nobody it's the can, size six font that's like scrolled yeah. on the screen or in an Not ad. Even six, that's probably right. like two, yeah, two point oh, you know. And so we don't want to talk about it. And also, nobody thinks it's going to happen to them, right? So fast forward, that's who I've always um, advocated for. But when 2020 hit and we all lived through, you know, the start of the pandemic and not knowing what it was going to look like, right? But all of a sudden, you know, I don't have children and you guys were both talking about kids. I don't have kids, so I've never really paid much attention to the vaccine conversations or anything to do with that because I know there are other people who are better suited for that, right? But when the COVID um, shots came out or and it was going to be the panacea, like it was going to be the, it was going to be our way out, we're going to be able to get back to normal, et cetera. I had so many light, you know, red lights going off, starting with, you know, giving complete legal immunity to the companies that I know have been responsible for some of the greatest um, harms to people, you know, Pfizer, and you gave these companies complete legal immunity. And you didn't tell consumers that we're going to go out and get the shots, that they are, if something happens to them, they're on their own. And so I think that it, right there was a huge red flag for me. But, you know, as somebody who's been in marketing my entire life, I saw this, the, the techniques that they were using to sell getting, you know, people to go get the shots. They use fear. I mean, fear and hope are both really, really powerful motivators. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and so you have to always look at a lens through that. Then it was as simple as bring in your Vax card and you into Krispy Kreme and you can get a donut a day for a year. And I thought, wait, this all sounds like sales promotion and, and a donut marketing. a day. Yeah, like, like, that's not, not sh- health. That's not like, health. Yeah. No, that's not health. I mean, it sounds good. I mean, every once in a while, a donut's not bad, but <laughs> right. daily uh, but, donut might <laughs> exactly. Might. So I started watching all of that, and then when. Everybody was saying it is completely safe and effective. And since when has anything ever been completely safe and effective when it was a brand new novel technology that they, in the clinical trials, the initial clinical trials, they were allowing the placebo group that is part of a standard of any clinical trial, you need a placebo group because that's how you can tell um, future or current or, you know, um, early side effects. But you need that placebo group. But for because it was a pandemic, they um, allowed the placebo group to actually get the jab, you know, get the shot under study. Over 95% of the people that were in the placebo group got the jab. So there really wasn't a control group. So all of these were flags for me that I was just like, something doesn't make sense. So I knew that there would be harms that would emerge. And sure enough, we started hearing about people that had been harmed. And, you know, one was somebody as simple, it was just one of my friends who's a sales rep, um, works in pharma, and about somebody who was responsible for setting up the whole program at their health system down in Texas. 
and she was injured severely, severely, like to the point where now she's on long-term disability. She had to relearn how to walk. And I would just be listening to this person, having this conversation. I was like, is anybody else curious about this? Is anybody else like, are you getting any support? Are you getting are you know, your doctors or people being curious about what happened? Is there a correlation? I don't know. Like, but these are all the things that, you know, I started to watch and then started um, the people who were out because we couldn't have curious conversations between medical professions, right? That even when you started looking into the reports going into the FDA, which is the VAERS system, which is the system in which people can report any harms or side effects to the the vaccine. That's the vaccine program. But I have experience with the, the drug one, which is called FAERS or MedWatch. And they've never had the numbers of adverse um, effects from this product. And so, but then you started listening to all of the, you know, the excuses or um, the rationale why, but I, but nobody wanted to go a little bit deeper. But you know what? Ultimately, when I think about it, somebody behind these small percent, I don't care what percent it is, somebody's that small percent or large percent, depending, you know, who's, you know, the data is somebody's a hundred percent. It's their 100% their own body or it's their loved one's body. And so I needed to use my voice and use my experience that of knowing how to kind of navigate the system out in D.C. and working with media and working with, you know, it, Congress, if there was a way, you know, using anything and offering them up support, but mm-hmm. also to be their voice because I do um, have a platform or, you know, I know how to go to the FDA when they have the FDA advisory committees and I can speak on behalf of people who've been. So so when did you, uh, how many people did kind of gather? Did you go to Washington, D.C.? Well, with those who had effects from the COVID shots. Interesting. We were, you know, I was working with some of the researchers, leading, you know, academics that were in the critical thinking space that were just, again, like me asking questions. And so we were going to do some kind of event, you know, looking at like the AIDS crisis, you know, going back and going, wouldn't it be cool if we could do something like the AIDS blanket or these traveling things so we could get attention for uh, and, you know, being somebody in marketing, I was thinking the same thing back in the day with um, all of the suicide victims is could there be some kind of, you know, thing that we could do that would call attention? So that's really where it started. And then we got hooked up with somebody who was one of the injured. And I started meeting more and more and also learning that because there is no way to hold the companies accountable, that and then also having to for them to even get acknowledged by the medical community or to find out why is something happening to their bodies, that the injured were coming together and having to advocate for themselves, like for themselves, raise money to hmm. be studied and to help them because they're, that's a whole community that is worldwide. And because this was a worldwide event. pandemic and event that people – this, you know, that the same, the same shot was kind of used around the world. So, and and some of the batches were different ingredients. So that also adds another variation of the severity someone may experience right. from receiving a shot. You know, from whether it was Pfizer, Moderna, J and J, and then even within those companies, the variation of batches. Because I know people have looked up their batch number yeah. to see, like, well, what so that's was in a, it. But again, you think about it. That whole program was because of people that were injured and and or helping the injured and being curious about, like, what is it and why is it that some people have experienced a harm, somebody else nothing's happened to, right? Mm-hmm. So they started looking at all the batch numbers and keeping track of it. And so... And that also, I think, highlights, too, that the no two systems are alike. So the batches, the ingredients are different, but what might be medicinal for me might be poison for another. 
Absolutely. It was interesting when I I was with a group, I'm not even going to say where or who or what, but I was amongst these amazing people and they were all talking about which uh, vaccine they received. And I received this one and they were talking about their batch numbers and they were talking about this. And it was just this, my marketing brain, I, I could just see it like the marketers of this being just so pleased with that. But they were really connecting with um, with their experience and what they received and why they chose to go with X versus Y. And it was just an observation that I made and I'm watching you guys talk about it now. And I was like, wow. I mean, psychologically really got into people's minds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so you're going, like you gather this collection of this community of people who've experienced injury are living with their injuries without the resource or a platform to hold liability. And what happens? Like, how do you get them to D.C.? Or and how? Did, how are? When do you go to D.C.? So my the last very years? first time that I went out, I was out in November second, two thousand twenty-one, and it was Senator Johnson's hearing in Washington D.C. And it was a panel of, and I'm in, like experts because I don't like it, but people who um, have been, you know, uh, academics, researchers, that people had, that have really. Looked at this. Looked at it, right? I always hate because I, you know, use that in a quote with experts. um, But uh, and then there was a whole panel of injured just telling their story. And it was a platform for them to tell their story. And I have to say I was shocked that this was in Washington, D.C. And I think about, you know, I have all these parallels looking back at the time because, you know, I was on a plane every almost every other week with Woody and to try to get these black box warnings on. And we were working with Congress. We were pressuring them to uh, hold hearings. We were working with the um, investigations and bringing documents out there. So that was the time then. So I thought, well, why can't the same thing be happening? Well, you know, there's something very different that was this time around than that time, which they have social media and social media and everything, the platforms were, it wasn't being talked about. We were able to use mainstream media uh, that were able to help tell the stories of, you know, the people who've had suicide and, you know, Woody's story was a poster. For yep. And Woody, with the antidepressants, Woody was a poster child for adults and uh, somebody else was with kids. So we had, we were still able to get that that small percent of it might happen to somebody. Well, the injured now, you know, they have this hearing. There's a platform. It's in the Senate in D.C. and there's no media there. Hmm. There's no other congressional representatives or senators, like ours, including from Minnesota. Hmm. And there were no – they invited like the heads of the FDA, HHS – of the drug companies to show up to be a part of this conversation. None of them showed up. So basically, you know, we're having these conversations in silos and mm. in isolation. And when you're actually even telling people about these and, and these injuries um, that people are experiencing and they're told that it didn't happen, I'm like, what? I'm looking at them. Right. This person, literally, there's a woman here in Minnesota that would be great to talk about the whole injury. Um, she was a marathon triathlete runner, my age, had hers, and she had to be using, at that time, a walker and a wheelchair. And she still, two years later, is dealing with the impact of it. And for them to say it doesn't exist, I'm like... Uh, have you seen well, that's them? that's gaslighting <laughs> yeah I mean it is gaslighting so and suppression but but so anyways uh, so I've seen it and I've also experienced just even our experience with antidepressants for sure well here's Beyonce in honor of Woody's 20 years I was here this is exploring sovereignty with Elizabeth and we are in studio with Kelly Wagner Woohoo! from the Being Curious show as a co-host and the lovely, brilliant Kim Witzek, leading global drug safety advocate amongst many. I'm Elizabeth Sullivan, owner of Soma Soul Sovereignty. I teach people to transform and heal their bodies, minds, and spirits and manifest higher consciousness. My hope with Soma Soul Sovereignty is that you open up to the power to heal yourself. 
We believe the power to heal is within each of us. It supports us coming home to ourselves and our authenticity. The alchemy of Soma Yoga, Ayurveda, energy medicine, and multidimensional healing is a synergistic approach that supports this self-healing state within and around us. It is filled with common sense and a deep understanding of the beauty for life and consciousness. It reminds us that our true divine nature is light aligned with love, and when we orientate toward it, much releases, heals, and transforms. Experience the power and freedom within and ways to support your body, mind, and spirit being unified. Soma Soul Sovereignty, awaken to your light within. For more information, visit elizabethsullivan.love or somasoulsovereignty.com. That's somasoulsovereignty.com. At the School for Higher Consciousness, we are committed to raising the level of consciousness on the planet by educating and empowering people to grow, evolve, and live well. The School for Higher Consciousness is dedicated to supporting people through this critical time on the planet. Our classes provide a path that deeply connects you to your inner power and higher levels of consciousness. At the School for Higher Consciousness, we inspire, teach, and empower people to develop the skills and practices needed to energetically heal, grow, and connect more fully to their life purpose. The School for Higher Consciousness is building a global community grounded in the power of collaboration, the spirit of unity, consciousness, and the joy of human connection to help usher in a new model for a new era. Our programs include the Energetic Healing Program, Conscious Leadership Transforms, The Physical Alchemist, and much more. They are rooted in wisdom and designed to support your continued growth and transformation. This is Elizabeth from Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, and I hope you register and learn more at schoolforhigherconsciousness.com. That's schoolforhigherconsciousness.com. Does your child struggle with sensory issues? Do they fight getting dressed in the morning, or are they anxious to go to school? Are they easily overwhelmed and overstimulated by lights and sounds? At Whole Family Chiropractic, we love helping parents understand why their child is struggling, and more importantly, how to help. We use safe, gentle, and effective neurologically-based chiropractic to help your child's brain feel calm, safe, and organized. For more info, visit sensoryhelpmn.com. That's sensoryhelpmn.com. Welcome back to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Kelly Wagner from The Being Curious Show and the brilliant Kim Witzek, who is a leading global drug safety advocate and a professional portfolio of That's advertising a, and marketing. and that is a big <laughs> And she's an all-around brilliant human who has That's a taken, big girl that I did never want. I know. She has taken – she has. She never wanted this um, title. She didn't want to earn the accidental advocate no. um, from the death of her husband, Woody, uh, that we're marking on August 6th of 2023, the 20-year anniversary of his passing and transition. And uh, whenever we start talking about Woody, Woody kind of energetically pops in as one of Kim's spirit guides and who is definitely uh, bringing forward some of this work from the other side. And so we thank Woody, who's also joining the show. And uh, he likes her Birkenstocks. So there. Kim's wearing Birkenstocks, and uh, Kelly and I are tapping into some of the (laughs) intuitive gifts. So is Kelly. Uh But at least they're not as ugly as his used to be. Mine are at least rose gold, and yours are sparkling metallic. What color were Woody's when he wore them? Awful, like, suede that I said I would never. I go, you have to get rid of those. You can't keep those. Those are ugly. And now... Ironically, I found ones that were really cute, and they're very comfortable. So, so now you're wearing Woody's, yes. Woody's updated version of Woody's yes. suede, suede Burks. You need to go get a new pair. I do need to get a new pair. I want new shiny ones like yours. In honor of the 20th anniversary. <gasps> oh, yes. you, could get, you could get them stamped. Oh, you my get God. Them, get them stamped. Like, just so like, like, like 20th. Yeah. Oh, that's a, like a bunch of 20, like a new, yeah. just, new designer logo. Yeah. And then do a W on it. Just oh, 20W. Okay. <gasps> That would be cool. cool. See, there you go. Oh, I've just learned something new. And you actually could, well, you could market those too, but maybe you just want a special one for you. Um, okay. On that note, I hello, know. Birkenstocks. Yeah, hello. <laughs> yes, hello, Birkenstocks. Maybe they'll be a sponsor. Exactly. I'd love it. <laughs> um, so we, you know, again, we're in this tender landscape of having this conversation because I'm sure that many people listening or in this conversation of exploring sovereignty may have chosen one of the products that were out 
in 2020 and forward from Pfizer, Moderna, or J&J maybe have even experienced an adverse side effect that they're not sure stems from it. Or, you know, because my working hypothesis is like perhaps we each have a weak spot and those have exasperated some of those weak spots um, and brought them forward faster or made them express that maybe they wouldn't have expressed that weak spot. But you go to November 2nd, 2021, you go uh, with the Senator Johnson hearing uh, for those who've had injury in Washington, D.C., and there's no media there. There's no one else who's part of that conversation, although they've been invited. It's almost like a stone wall and almost like if I don't go there, it didn't happen, <laughs> which is curious in and of itself. And then you've come back and the mandates start happening. So tell us a little bit more about did the list of injuries grow and did you have to go back to D.C.? Well, the the injuries have definitely grown. And when I look at the idea of mandates, mm. you know, at the end of the day, all of us, and that's why I love the name of your show, Exploring Sovereignty, is the fact that we need to have information and transparency that we can make the best. A risk-benefit yeah, analysis. Yeah, like, and not everybody's at the same risk benefit, you know, analysis, like that we had no stratification of who really is at risk for this, right? And it is a serious, you know, it was a serious virus. But when we don't have that, and then we're told you either get this product and and college students, like high school kids, kids. At the airing of the show to date, there are 104 colleges still mandating it for young adults. And so, I mean, for me, that is something that we have to be curious about because why and that's where you start looking at it and i'll you know i always say follow the money because there is a money trail there and many colleges are supported their research is supported by pharmaceuticals exactly and or nih or that's where they get their grants so but you know i looked at the mandates and you have you know get this shot or you keep your job, or if you don't, you lose your job. So now you've it started to impact people's lives like with this. And so people had no choice. Or, I mean, I guess ultimately they do have a choice, but they lose they their felt livelihood. Like they, they felt like they They were, didn't have a choice or it, they were ramrodded. Right. And it's almost like how do you step out of that ramrod yep. and tap into your sovereignty of like, maybe I'm not going to do it. Right. And being – and also just like you said – when you start re- and investing, as soon as something would be man, uh, mandated, I would think you'd want to start investing, investigating, like, what's going on? But, you know, for a lot of people, they, they, this isn't what they do all the time, right? They just want to get back to going to soccer. They want to go to school. They want to travel. And, but yet and for those didn't. that chose not to, to accept the mandate, that was also a, a, a rough road to follow, Absolutely. I mean, you know, because there was a lot of ostracized. How do you say that word? Ostracization. Thank you. So we went out to dinner with my in-laws um, after our whole family had had COVID, and this was at the tail end of everything. And we're at this beautiful dinner, and and they looked at us, and they were just like, "So when you when are you going to do this? Like, when are you going to fall in line?" And my husband and I just were like, "Well, we had we 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 got through it, and it was okay, and we tried to just kind of dismiss it, like we're yeah. like it, it just." And they kept going back and back and back, and just wanting to know, and 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 we've lost time with our grandkids, and we've lost this, and we've lost that, and it was really interesting. And I I kind of popped out of my body during the conversation, and it was like, "This is so fascinating that we're having that." And and I I said, "I, I absolutely respect your decision. Could you just respect ours?" Right. And 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 we we. We think goodness after a couple tense moments agreed to disagree, but it was really fascinating how we had already like gone through like two years, and they were like, "But w- when are you going to check the box?" We're like, "Well, we're we already we already checked the box. It's yeah, all good." We had it. Well, you had it, and there is that thing of gained immunity, but that even was suppressed. put down yeah, and suppressed could. as like I mean, gained immunity no longer exists, but now. They're coming back and saying gained immunity is actually better than some of the shots. Right. Well, what they did to ivermectin. I mean, like, oh, my gosh. Like, you could probably get it anywhere before, and then all of a sudden you have to. Which it won the Nobel Peace Prize for. It's been used for humans and for animals. Different 
dosing and different things. <laughs> I'm just saying it is one for you, like, one for right. your horse. Yeah. No, it like, is not the same, but I mean, but it was conflated that it's, you know, oh, it was manipulated. Yeah, but see, that's where a lot of people didn't even understand the whole reason it had to be manipulated, you know, or it had to be, you know, taken out of the, the picture. Play, yep. so they could get an emergency use authorization. Yes. And so people don't understand. And so that was another thing when I look back at like... Because if you have an effective drug that's cheap and available, you cannot EUA a new emerging option. Exactly. And so you had to say ivermectin didn't work, hydrochloricone didn't work, because if you had those in the right dosing with the right support and the right care and some vitamin D and other things from what I've read, you, that could support you. Well, and I also find, I look back at that because, you know, I sit on one of the FDA advisory committees right now as a consumer rep. So I have, the, I've seen a lot of these drugs, just drugs in general, how they're using fast tracking or breakthrough therapy to like rush drugs on the market, right? And the only reason they can do that is because there cannot be another product out there for some life-threatening disease. And so everything has become something in that nature of, you know, it's, there is no product. They're going to keep finding that avenue to be rushed to market. So when I go look back at, um, you know, just my experience of sitting on the FDA, and we would have one of these drugs that had questions, and it was like, and it was all about like off-label. And I remember asking the FDA, how can we be assured that, you know, that the companies aren't going to promote it off-label? And the FDA said, we're not in the practice of telling doctors what, how to practice medicine, right? That's not our role. But then when the ivermectin thing came out and they sent out letters saying you couldn't use it, I was like, wait a minute you know, being curious, I was like, you can't have it both ways. Right. You can't have it both ways. Because they sent letters to doctors in every state. Demonizing and people losing licenses and, and it's being, so even that should be enough to make somebody stop and question, or at least the people who are in power and leadership should be asking those questions and being curious and having the conversations and but we're not. And so, you know, the average person may not have those conversations. It might be the conversation that you had with your family where you ultimately are like, let us, you know, we're all going to agree to disagree. But you at least had a conversation. Right. But at the end of the day, I was actually really proud of my my in-laws for saying because you could tell it really was bothering them. And I I thought it was I thought it was great that they 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 brought it up into conversation. Right. Now, it was my anniversary dinner, so... <laughs> Maybe it was an anniversary gift. Here you are. Well, happy anniversary. But, right, but it was, it was, it was, it was lovely, and I, I respect them for that. Right. Because they were like, I, we're, they were like, we're really curious why you made this decision. Yeah. Like, everybody else is doing this, and you're deciding this. And we just, we just, uh, we just answered. Yeah. Which is beautiful. And which is what it should be. Yeah. Having that conversation. So So you continue like the advocacy for those who've been injured and have adverse shots, uh, adverse reactions to the shots in the last few years. But you've also helped build something that's different. Like you've been a participant. And if you, you maybe you can just in the last bit that we have with you today, I feel like we could always have, we could have like 20 conversations with Kim <laughs> and all the ways that your advocacy has taken you more than 20. But um, the you are part of the Better Way Conference and the World Council for Health that's emerged. And that's an antidote to the World Health Organization. Can you kind of summarize what's happened with the injured that you've worked with and these new emerging groups and organizations. Sure. So the Better Way, I was invited to be a speaker at the Better Way Conference, and it's um, the World Council for Health, which is the alternative to like the WHO. But one thing that's happening right now is that they want to give the WHO being the global uh, responsible party for any future pandemics. So that means that it wouldn't have individual countries, you know, like the FDA being responsible for products that it would been, all... There's been a lot of advocacy pushback on that. Oh, a hundred percent. But this is what's happening right now. So I was invited to come give the perspective of, you know, this idea of a world, a one world kind of approval or regulatory agency or responsible um, party for any policies and new emergency products. 
And my whole point was we can't even on our own country level get it right. So how in the world are we going to give away our rights to the one global party? Good good question. Which has even more money and power associated with it than just the FDA, which is for our country. So that's hap- actually happening right now. And that conference I loved because there were, it wasn't just about the vaccine. It was about the concept of the system and the system of asking questions and the sovereignty of people and the mental well-being of people and a spiritual aspect. And it was, you know, it was also talking about other systems, like what's going to happen if AI takes over? And it was all about conversations and being critical thinking and having a healthy dose of skepticism. So that's what I like. It's building an alternative kind of system to what we've got right now. And maybe instead of, you know, energy, I always feel like energy begets energy. And so instead of always fighting the the current system, maybe we have to make new systems and make new systems and awaken people to start not wanting to play in the current system. Mm, Beautiful. And what an invitation and call to action that is for people who might be listening, like, this information, if it's new to you, may feel overwhelming. You may have some grief, some even anger or emotions around it. Or I hope we can leave people with some hope around it, you know, like going and, and a call to action of like, there are other systems and other conversations happening and things growing that and emerging. You know, even with AI, I I think we actually haven't even tapped into the full potential of humans. And I think the full potential of humans will ultimately surpass AI because of our sentient nature if we don't give our sovereignty away to AI. But that's another conversation probably. But yeah, what's the, where can people find your work? Where can people find out more about the Better Way Conference or the World Council for Health? Sure. Um, well, to follow me, you can go to on Twitter at or Woody Matters. I have a Substack, Acceptable Collateral Damage. It's actually Unacceptable Collateral Damage. And uh, I also um, have KimWitzak.com. You can reach out to me. But to follow the World Health Council, you can go to their website, World Council for Health, as well as the Better Way Conference. Beautiful. And um, thank you so much for being on the show with Kelly and I. We always enjoy our time with you. <laughs> right? This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Kelly. <laughs> Kelly Wagner and Woody is also signing off, who's been present with us. Um, sounds like it's a sign-off uh, he's used to. He always salutes. It's what he's done his that's so bizarre. No, it's not. It's no, awesome. No, it's super cool. <laughs> Thank you.